0: Great to be with you guys uh, on this uh, Christmas season. I feel very privileged to be here again. And it really does feel like a, a home church for us to to be here. And my wife and kids were here for the first service and they, they went home and they didn't want to listen to my sermon twice. So, uh, but it is great to be with you today. And uh, yeah, just shared during the first service too that how much of a blessing that Pastor JB and Charlene have been. For us in our community, and he just regularly checks up on me, and I get these texts and phone calls and saying, "How are you doing?" I just want you to know that I am praying for you guys, and we, we believe in good things for you guys in Olympic Village, and it's just super encouraging for us. And you know, church planning is hard and long work, and so to just have that kind of prayer support and encouragement from afar has been just awesome. So thank you to Pastor JBN to Thrive Church as well. So thanks for having uh, us here again today. Let's pray together and then we'll dive into God's word. Father, we believe that you are here in our midst, that this is holy ground. We believe where you are, there is freedom. We believe where you are, there is healing. We believe where you are, there is love and mercy and grace and forgiveness of sins. We thank you that you are here. God, I pray um, that we would see you more clearly uh, today. We give you all of our concerns, all of our worries All the things that's been occupying our our minds and our hearts, whether it's a circumstance or a person, uh, something at home, something at work, something at school, God, we just want to lay that at your feet now. Uh, That we want to offer our hearts and our ears and our eyes to you as an act of worship. to transform us today, Lord, by your Spirit, from the inside out. Uh, Cause uh, your Word to come alive in a brand new way in us, Lord. Uh, That our love and our passion for you and your kingdom would grow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, if you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Titus and chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. Uh, it will be on the screen as well if you don't have a Bible. Titus chapter two, eleven through 14. I'll read it for us. It says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. what is good. Amen. Don't you just love stories? I am a huge fan of stories. Uh, whether it's a movie or a great book, maybe it's a song on the radio or maybe when it's, we gather together with family and friends over the holidays and sit around the table with our hot chocolate or coffee or whatever your drink is and And we just talk and we share stories. I love stories. The author Barry Lopez said this: It says, if stories come to you, care for them and learn to give them away where they are needed. Sometimes a person needs a story more than they more than food to stay alive. Sometimes a person needs a story more than food to stay alive. And there's a Yiddish proverb that goes something like this. It says, God made man because he loves stories. Have you ever wondered why we love to listen to stories? Why we love to hear stories? What is it about stories that just draws us in? What about stories is it that makes it so powerful? Well, stories are how we make sense of life stories are how we make sense of life our entire world view is created out of stories the way we experience the world the way we engage with the world and others is influenced by the stories that we hear and the stories that we tell two people could be in the same place experiencing the same thing And they could have two vastly different interpretations of what just happened based on the story that they are telling themselves about what just happened. Life is too complex to hold it all in your head. And relationships are too complex to fully comprehend. So we tell stories to make sense of our life, to make sense of the world, to make sense of our relationships, to make sense of our experiences. And when it comes down to it, all of our conflicts and disagreements are about the different stories that we believe in. We start dating, we fall in love, and we start dating when we think we found this person who wants the same story for their life, right? And when... We realize that our stories are competing against each other, we we break up. Our, our stories are not moving in the same place to the same place. And think about this countries go to wars because of the stories that those countries believe. We live and die by the stories that we buy into. How we view the world and how we live is based on the story that we choose to believe. Stories are powerful. Stories are powerful. So today is the second Sunday of Advent in the church calendar. And the word Advent comes from the Latin Adventus, which means arrival or coming. And as Christians, we celebrate these holidays to remember and to retell our story. These celebrations are acts of storytelling, reminding ourselves that there is a grand, overarching story that stands over all of humanity. And it is that story that gives meaning to every other story. It is that story that brings purpose to each one of our. Stories. On Palm Sunday, we sell, we tell the story of how Jesus entered into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey, welcomed by hordes of people shouting "Hosanna, Lord, save!" Jesus is the promised Messiah. On Good Friday, we tell the story of how Jesus was crucified on the cross for the sins of the world. And through this greatest act of love and mercy, we have been reconciled with God and with one another. Jesus is the great Redeemer. On Easter Sunday, we tell the story of how Jesus rose from the dead and defeated death. Jesus is the conqueror. So what exactly is the story that we are telling during Advent, during this Christmas season? Certainly, it is the story that 2,000 years ago, God entered into our world as a baby born in Bethlehem. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Yes, that is part of the Advent story, but that's not all of it. It's only a part of it. Again, Advent, which means coming or arrival, is also telling the story of how one day Jesus will return. He will come back to reign as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So Advent is both looking back and it's also looking forward. It is looking back 2,000 years to see the birth of Jesus, but it is also looking forward to that future day when Jesus will return and reign as King of kings and Lord of lords, and he will make all things right again. That's the story that we are telling during Advent. It is looking back, and it is looking forward. So that's what we read in Titus 2 that we read in the beginning of our time. And I will read it for us again. It says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It's looking back 2,000 years ago, the grace of God appeared in Jesus that offers salvation to all people. eager to do what is good. So some 2,000 years ago, the grace of God appeared that offers salvation to all people. This we believe. And the same Jesus will return. So we wage for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. This we also believe. The Jesus who was born in Bethlehem is not just a figure of the past, but also Jesus still to come. And throughout his ministry, the central message of Jesus is that the kingdom of God has come near through him. That his birth inaugurated a heavenly kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. But this kingdom that Jesus inaugurated in his ministry and his resurrection is not yet fully manifested in all creation and cannot be while evil still ravages the world. So, to believe in the Jesus who was born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago as Savior of the world must necessarily also mean that we eagerly wait for the future where his kingdom will be absolute and complete where he will reign as the just and righteous king and Lord of all, and he will make all things new again. So to help us put all of this kingdom talk into perspective, I want to give us a bigger picture of how all of this fits in the great story of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. So you've probably seen this video on YouTube, right, where there's this boy sitting on a lawn in his backyard, and that's the first scene. And in the next scene, the camera zooms out. And at this point, the camera is so high that you can't see the bully anymore, but now you see from a higher perspective, you see the tops of the building, you even see the, the parks around the buildings, you see rivers in, the, rivers in the city, and now you see a bigger perspective. The camera zooms out again. And you get even a bigger and higher perspective. Now you see oceans and the continents. The camera zooms out again. Now you see other planets and all the stars in our solar system. And the camera zooms out again and now you see the entire galaxy. So imagine doing this again and again and again. And we come to this humble realization that these billions of stars and these billions of galaxies that all of it god created out of nothing that everything was created out of nothing by god And the crowning achievement of God's creation, the pinnacle of his handiwork was man, which he created in his own image. We're made to be in true community with God and with one another. Everything was good. But as we look around the world today, we can't help but ask ourselves, what happened to this good world? What happened? It seems to be anything but good. Every year, over a million children are sold into sexual slavery around the world. A million. There are a billion, with a B, people who live on less than $1 a day in the world today. There are 143 million children in the developing world who are orphans. That's one in 13. There are 27 million people who are slaves today. That's more than any other time in all of history. Twenty-seven million people. This world is filled with pain and suffering. I thought God created a world that's supposed to be good. What happened? Well, the fall happened. When God was in charge, we had a wonderful world where everything was good, but we wanted to be in charge that all of it could be used for our own benefit instead of its intended design. It became all about us. And one pastor uh, shared that to understand what sin is, you have to understand what that middle letter is, I. Sin is an I problem. Sin is a problem with the world that where we look inward into us and everything becomes about this life that is all pulling in on itself. It's selfishness to the extreme. It's a world revolving around us. So we rebelled against God and we reject him. And this rejection is the core sin which has infected every person and every part of God's good creation. So the consequence of this fall is death and suffering and pain. When we look around and see that the world is not as it should be, which we all feel, we can look back and say that it started with the fall. But God loved his creation too much so we don't just start stop at creation and the fall but now we have redemption god implements a master plan for redeeming his world and rescuing fallen sinners in the person of jesus christ god himself enters into our story into the story of the world to rescue and redeem which culminates in the life and death and resurrection of jesus and he ascends to the heaven and he sends his holy spirit and now through us his church his work is advancing and i think for any of us who grew up in the church i feel like a lot of times that's where our story ends we have creation we have fall we have redemption which is all good but this restoration part is what I feel like is missing in many of our own stories, this idea of God restoring all things. And restoration means this. Jesus, who first came in humility to Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, he will come in glory and power one day. And he will conquer sin and death and suffering, and there will be no more tears because everything will be good. We will be in right relationship with God and with one another. And the increase of his kingdom will be forever. Everything will be made new again. Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. A new heaven and a new earth where everything that's been suffering from the fall will be made right again. And at the very center of this story is Jesus the king who is building a kingdom and making for himself a kingdom people who have been transformed in the image of the king. So the word kingdom is a little bit weird, right? It's not a word that we use very often. We, we may see it in like Lord of the Rings or something like that. And so what is this kingdom of God business? And just to kind of help us understand that, that each of us, we actually have a kingdom. It's a pretty small kingdom, but each of us have a kingdom where we rule and where we reign. For instance, our car. Inside that car, my decision reigns, what music I listen to, what air freshener I, I choose. And so when someone enters into my kingdom, And they want to change the radio station you say "Uh uh-uh this is my kingdom my rule and reign is here and so no this is my radio station and this is what i want to listen to maybe it's our home where we make rules about family how how our kids behave maybe it's our cubicle in our workspace we may not have control over what the boss does but man my little cubicle I want this picture up. It's going to look like this. It's going to feel like this. This is my kingdom. And all that means is that in that kingdom, what I say goes. The kingdom of God is the dynamic rule and reign of God where what he says goes. It is not bound by a location or a space it's not bound by like country lines it is a dynamic rule and reign of god which means that we could experience the kingdom of god here and now so the kingdom of god that jesus spoke about was not limited to again a physical city or a country it's the dynamic reign of god over heaven and earth all things visible and invisible so when Jesus came 2,000 years ago in the birth of Jesus, that ushered in the kingdom of God. Something of heaven came into the world. Something of God came into our story. There was an in-breaking of the kingdom of God into the world. He brought something of heaven with him into this world. But this kingdom is not yet here in its fullness. That happens when Jesus returns. We don't know when, but when he returns, this second advent, the second coming, everything will be made right again. His rule will be complete and perfect. And everything will go as he says. So we live in this already and the not yet. The here and what's to come. So we live in this tension of the kingdom where we experience the goodness of God in breaking into our lives, but not in its fullness. So as as Christians, we pray when people are sick, and sometimes God heals, right? God does these miraculous things in our midst. There's something of the kingdom that's in breaking but we don't experience it in its fullness because the kingdom is not yet fully here. And even when we pray, think about this, even when we pray and we experience this miracle of someone getting healed from cancer or some other disease, the truth of the matter is, even if that person's healed, that person is still going to die because death has not yet been completely defeated. That will happen when Jesus returns once and for all. So that's what we mean by the already and the not yet. And so we experience this kingdom, this already and the not yet of the kingdom, here, again, in its imperfectness. And so part of what it means for us as believers is this. There is a book called uh, Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willard. And that would be like, if you read one book in 2018, that would be like the one book that I would recommend. Divine Conspiracy, Dallas Willard. And he says that this world that we see, that we live in, is actually upside down. Because of the fall, everything about this world is upside down. And what the kingdom of God, the dynamic rule and reign of God is doing is is making this upside-down world right-side up again. So sickness, sin, death, disease, all of these are upside-down. And so when we pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, we're saying, God, take this upside-down world and make it right-side up again. So we see people struggling with disease. We see people struggling with addictions. It's an upside down world. This, they're experiencing the upside down kingdom in their lives. And I bet if we're honest with ourselves that we all in some form or fashion experienced this upside down kingdom in our own lives, right? There are things about ourselves we realize that, gosh, it's not that the fullness of the kingdom is not yet here in my life. And so Dallas Willard talks about how We live in this upside-down world, but we don't even realize that it's upside-down because we're so used to it. We've been drinking the water, breathing the air, and everything seems like this upside-down world seems okay. But think about that. Even our motives and how we engage with people, how much, how often we kind of resort to living with this mindset of the upside-down kingdom. So instead of generosity and love, we pursue manipulation. The power and authority that God gave us, we don't use it to set people free, but we use it to actually enslave people. 27 million people in the world who are slaves today. Even with all the advancements in science and education and technology, 27 million people in slavery. That is an upside down world. And what God's doing when he ushered in the kingdom of God, this inbreaking of of the heavens here on earth is to make all that thing that all that's upside down and making it right again. So when we pray when someone is sick or someone is struggling with the disease or something we pray cuz we want to see the upside down kingdom in their lives be made right again when we help someone who is struggling because of addictions or whatever it is, we're saying, God, let your kingdom come and turn this upside-down kingdom in their lives. Make that right side up again. It is the grace of God to help us see that we live very oftentimes with upside-down values. So when Jesus talks about Uh, when uh, someone um, when you have an enemy like don't get angry with them don't be, be mean back but to actually love them and pray for those who persecute you like nothing about that sits right with my upside down world because the way that the upside-down world works is that you fight for what's yours, even if you have to step over other people. And if someone is mean to you, be mean back to them. So the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the meek, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are those who pursue a hunger and thirst for righteousness. And we hear these words of Jesus and we're like, what are you talking about? Well, it doesn't sit well with us because we're seeing it upside down. This doesn't quite seem like how things work. So we revert to our own ways. So we choose revenge rather than forgiveness. Instead of using the the finances that God's blessed us to serve others, we we want more of it for ourselves we want that promotion so instead of living with love and generosity and kindness and helping others uh, we're like right i'm gonna if i have to step over you to get to my next promotion i'm gonna do that well that's how the upside down world works but the kingdom of god this in breaking that happened 2,000 years ago, and will come to completion. It's all about making an upside-down world, right-side-up again. And as kingdom people, that's our business. That's what our king is doing, and as kingdom people, we are part of the story of making what is upside-down, right-side-up again. Christian lives are lives with direction, and it's moving toward this future where Jesus will reign supreme, where everything he says goes, where the fullness of the prayer would be answered, Lord, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, and all of creation says amen, and his kingdom is forever. Advent is about remembering and retelling the story that as followers of Jesus, we look back and we look forward. The letter to Hebrews in the New Testament calls Jesus our pioneer. He's the one who's already gone ahead of us into the new future in order to open the way for us all. He came into the world precisely to redeem it from evil and death. And he did so by entering fully into our story. God entered into our story. God who created everything out of nothing, including us, he entered into our story. Creation fall, redemption, and restoration. So that's why when the early Christians looked to the future as they constantly did, it was the coming of Jesus that was central. Christians were people who looked to the future, to the coming of Jesus. And so they, so they prayed for his coming. The earliest Christian prayer, apart from the Lord's Prayer, was the simple prayer Come, Lord Jesus. We actually have it in Aramaic, the Maranatha. And Paul, writing in Greek to his Greek-speaking churches, actually quotes it in Aramaic. He expects them to know it. It was so foundational to how they did life that they, this was a prayer that everyone prayed. And right at the end of the Bible, almost the last words in the book of Revelations, there it is again in Revelations 2220. 20, 20, Come, Lord Jesus come Lord Jesus so that's our story we have a king who is building a kingdom with kingdom people who look like the king because we've been transformed in his image So, the question that I want to ask us today is When you said yes to Jesus, what exactly were you saying yes to? Let's think about that for a minute. If you said yes to Jesus, what exactly were you saying yes to? Certainly, I hope we said yes to the grace and mercy of God. That's awesome that we said yes to his gift of salvation. That's free. This free gift of salvation, if we put our trust and faith into it, that that's what we said yes to. That's great. But this story doesn't end with just our redemption. There is still this restoration work that we are called to be a part of. As kingdom people living in God's kingdom, to see his Kingdom in breaking into our lives means that we step out of our comfort zone again and again and again to bring people into that kingdom, to have people who are in bondage experience kingdom freedom, to people to help people who are enslaved to drugs and addictions experience freedom and healing for people who are struggling in their marriages and and their personal lives, that they would experience the reality of the kingdom of God in their lives. So we step out of our comfort zone again and again and again because we are kingdom people who are praying, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that, and Jesus looks to us and says, all right, this is a co labor thing. We do this together. Have you said yes to that? There's an author named Karen Blixen who said this. It says, to be a person is to have a story to tell. To be a person is to have a story to tell. Does your story as a follower of Jesus have this line in your story this grand story of god of creation fall redemption and restoration the way you are living your life as a follower of jesus does it reflect this grand story and if not what's keeping you back from that so i want to do a little exercise with us just go ahead and close your eyes and we're just gonna invite the presence of god to uh, enter into our imagination and into our hearts. When we talk about the kingdom of God, it is an invitation for you and I in this room, the, the church of God, the people of the kingdom to embrace the life of of a kingdom person. That means that we step out of ourselves and we look to God and to his creation and say, where is their upside downness in my life and in the lives of around us? And what's my job in helping them experience a right side up world? So pray now and ask God to show you a a person that's experiencing something of the upside-down kingdom? Maybe it's someone who's sick, who desperately needs a touch from God. And what would it look like for the church of God, the kingdom people of God and Thrive Church to gather around that person and say, you know what? We're going to believe with you. We see the upside-down kingdom and we want to see it made right-side up. So we're going to pray with you maybe there is a single mom in this community who's struggling to make ends meet what would it look like for us as the kingdom people of god to pull our resources together to help someone in need not just give a little bit but to give extravagantly to give to the point that it actually hurts to give That we want to see this upside-down world for the single mom and her kids to be made right-side up again. Maybe it's a homeless person that you've been walking by every day for weeks. And instead of walking by this week, what would it look like for you to actually stop and say, you know what, I see this person created in the image of God experiencing the upside-down kingdom. So I'm going to love, I'm going to treat them with love and kindness I'm going to give, I'm going to serve to see them experience the right side of kingdom of God. All the numbers that I shared about people in slavery, people living in poverty, people being sold, all of those numbers, there is a face and a name. And as God's kingdom people, it's our job to actually speak out those names, to see those faces and say, I want you to experience the right side of the kingdom of God. So just wait a minute and ask God to bring a person to mind. as God gives you a face and a name. I want to challenge you during this season of Advent, this Christmas season, to actually step out of your comfort zone and and reach out to that person. Invite them to the Christmas service. Invite them to your home for a meal. Pray for that person during this season. What are some very specific, tangible ways that they could experience the love, the power of the right side up kingdom of God?
1: Can to give Pastor Vince a big hand? Just uh, thank him today for the message this morning. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Why don't you stand up to your feet, Turn your neighbors, give them a hive up and say, God wants to restore you. God wants to restore you. As the music's playing, let me ask you a question this morning. Do you guys like to play video games? Do you guys like to play video games? I know some of you do. I, I gotta admit, I like to play video games from time to time as well. In fact, I've got a five-year-old son, his name is Bradley, and we love to play video games together. Um, there's, a, there's a game that we play together nowadays. It's called Paper Mario. Um, and it's this game, it's a Super Mario game. Maybe you played it before, maybe you haven't. But I couldn't help but think about that game when Pastor Insu was sharing this message today. You know what Paper Mario is about? There's this guy called Mario, you may have heard of him, he's got a mustache, he's got a red hat, likes to jump around. And and, and there's this guy called Mario, and he he, he goes around, and and he's basically living in this really beautiful, colorful world but for some reason there's something wrong with the world, is that this world is full of, you know, places where the color is going away. These these white splotches where there's no more color anymore and things are turning black and white. And the whole, the whole purpose of this video game called Paper Mario Color Splash is that you're Mario and you're supposed to take this hammer that's bigger than you are. I don't know how Mario carries it, but he, he takes this hammer and he goes to every place where there isn't color. And he grabs a hammer and he goes. A push. And at the moment, he hits that splotch that's colorless. All of a sudden, as he hits it with his hammer, all of a sudden, there's a splash of color that replaces... A place where there was no color. And all of a sudden, the place is full of life and color once again. It goes from world to world, place to place, level to level, doing exactly that. And I couldn't help but think about that game when Pastor Insta was t- telling us about how, you know, God, he created this world to be beautiful, for us to enjoy it, for us to make the most of it. You know, we've fallen, we've, we've, we've done stuff our own way, and there's, as a result, there's this places in our lives where the color is going away. But Jesus came to put 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 the color back, amen that Jesus came just like Mario, and I don't wanna compare Jesus to Mario, but the fact is this, is that just like Mario, Jesus has come to bring the color back into the world. Jesus come to bring the color back into your marriage. Jesus come to bring the color back into your life, into your heart, into your relationships. Come on, if you believe that, give God a big hand here in this place right now. Jesus came to bring the color back. Tell your neighbor, God's bringing the color back. Say that to that person right now. Say say, say to someone else, say, God wants to bring the color back. God wants to bring the color back. He didn't just want to create you and watch you mess up. He didn't just want to redeem you and forgive you of your sins. But He's here to restore you. He's here to bring the color back into your life. And if you want to experience the color back in your life again, it's about bringing that area of your life that is losing color. Bring that marriage, bring that relationship, bring that. Thing that you are struggling with right now bring that uncertainty bring that situation that you don't have a, a solution for you bring that to God today and say God will you restore the situation God yes. will you move in this situation come on give yes. God a big hand here in this place right now and if that's what you want God to do in your life today Then with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to invite you to respond to God right now. If there's an area in your life where you know that God needs to bring the color back, then I'm going to invite you on the count of three just to raise your hand to God. We're just going to respond to God. Don't worry about what your neighbor is doing. This is between you and God. If there's an area of your life where you want God to bring the color back, maybe it's in a relationship, maybe it's in your workplace, maybe it's in the terms of your health or the health of someone you love, We believe God is here, not just to redeem you and forgive you of your sins, send Jesus to restore you as well. If that's you in this place, why don't you just raise your hand to God right now on the count of three. One, two, three. Why don't you raise your hand to God right now? Is there an area where God wants to restore your life and you want him to restore it? wants to bring the color back? Why don't you lift your hand to God right now? Let the height of your hands reflect how much you want God to work in that area of your life. Would you bring that to him today? Would you bring that question to him today? Would you bring that situation into today? And we're just gonna pray out loud and just believe that with God, all things are possible. Possible. and so can you just do that right now Just start talking to God in your own words start praying out loud together in this place come on church let's all pray a lot together in this place right now God we want to thank you today that you are here to bring the color back you're gonna bring the color back into the lives of people here today you're gonna to bring black and white and turn it into color once again Jesus we welcome you today Holy Spirit would you move in this place right now Come and bring hope where there isn't hope. Come and bring peace where there's only worry. Come and bring life where there's only death. Jesus come. Jesus come. Holy Spirit we need you. God we need you today. Thank you for wanting to bring the color back. You are able. You are powerful. You can do it. We can't but you can. We thank you Jesus. Thank you Lord. Thank you God. Praise your name. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. One more thing. One more thing is that I believe that God doesn't just want to bring the color back into your life. But just like Mary takes that hammer. And he, he, he starts hitting different parts of the world that are losing color. And color goes and fills those places. I believe God wants to use you like a hammer in his hand to bring color to places and to bring life to places and a hope to places where there is none right now. And if you can think of someone right now that needs that, someone in your life who needs some color in their life again who needs the life of God, the hope of God and you know that God is you know, asking you to be the one to reach out to that person this Christmas, why don't you just raise your hand to God right now, maybe it's a co-worker maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a family member maybe it's someone you've seen across the street maybe it's someone. That's, maybe it's a group of people whatever the case may be, why don't you just lift your hand to God right now and we're just going to pray for that person right now, we're going to pray for whoever it is that God has placed on your mind and just believe and to just pray that God would you use me to bring the color back into their lives because Jesus lives in me. Use me to bring color back into their lives. Use me to help restore them to where you want them to be. Can you do that right now, church? Come on, church, just start talking to God right now. Just start talking to God on behalf of your family, your friends, your coworkers, your classmates, your neighborhood, your city. Come on, church, start talking to God right now. He's here, he loves you, he's with you. Come on, start talking to God right right now. Just talk to him right now. Just talk to him right now. Just talk to him right now he's with you just talk to him right now he's listening just talk to him right now just do that right now church come on come on thank you God praise you father thank you Jesus come on pray for that friend pray for your husband pray for your wife pray for those kids pray for that parent of yours pray for that friend of yours who needs Jesus come on